hear the word presents this time of year, we immediately think of presents. You know, those things we call gifts, the things that we love to give at this time of year, and many of us love to receive as well. Those are the main presents that are, for many of us, the main focus during Christmas. We see this emphasized routinely, too, this time of year on all kinds of commercials all day, all night long. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about presents. What I'm referring to is the presence that means being present in a place. And your presence can communicate so much about you. Sometimes just being present communicates a clear message that the person that you're with or the group of people that you're with are so important to you. If you've ever sat with a friend who was ill, or maybe you were with a loved one who was in the process of dying, you know that you didn't have to say anything. Your presence said all that was necessary to say. You know, they know in that moment just how important they are to you. If you've ever shown up to help a friend move, you didn't have to say anything. But there was something that was communicated. You're there because they are important to you. Your presence says it all. Wayne Smith used to tell his ministerial staff that when they were making hospital calls, there were just basically two things they needed to remember. First of all, show up. And then second of all, pray. And he would say this uh, oftentimes just to remind us But he would also tell us then that people in crisis seldom will remember the things that you said, but they will always remember that you were there and that you prayed. You see, your presence communicates that the people you're there with matter to you. Simply Christmas is a series that introduces us to the key characters in the very first Christmas story. And though this is the birth of the Messiah, it's actually a very modest event. It lacks all the pageantry that one might expect that would happen at the birth of a king. But keep in mind, the all-infinite, all-knowing, all-everywhere, all-powerful God could have arranged millions of ways for the Messiah to enter the earth but he designed for him to come as a baby. Through this simple story, we will meet what I would say are pretty average people, normal people, yet they play some key roles in this modest event. It's human nature, I think, to assess that if there's no important or influential people involved, then it must not be all that significant. But don't think that way about this story. Because this story, though it's simple, that doesn't mean it's unimportant. You see, this story is about the most significant event in the history of mankind. It's about the birth of Jesus. Now, the characters that we're going to meet today are simply known as the shepherds. And they're found in Luke, the second chapter, starting with verse 8 through verse 20. 
If you have your Bible, you want to open it to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8, or you're following along in the app, uh, check out Luke chapter 2. These shepherds really are an unlikely group to get invited to meet the baby Jesus. Unlike the Magi who brought expensive gifts to give to Jesus, the shepherds just brought themselves. The presence that they brought was simply their presence. So let me pick up the story starting in verse 8. Listen to what Luke writes. He said, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Shepherds living in the fields, pretty common in the first century. That was what shepherds do. They were making sure that their sheep were safe at night and also during the day. Sheep herding wasn't a prestigious vocation. In fact, a high school guidance counselor handing out these tests to check one's career aptitude, no one in the first century wanted the results to come back saying shepherd. It just wasn't a vocation that people wanted to do. It was one of those occupations that everyone needed, yet very few people wanted to do it. Like watching sheep, pretty boring, but a life like that, it meant long hours, tired feet, exposure to horrible smells. Bears and lions were occupational hazards. The sheep tended to wander, and the shepherd, he was expected to find the lost ones among the treacherous cliffs that were common in that region. And no other job compared to the isolation or loneliness that was found in shepherding. You know, though, in both the Old and the New Testaments, shepherds symbolize those who cared for God's people, including Jesus himself. The shepherds in Luke, the second chapter, may may therefore symbolize ordinary people, who joyfully received the gospel, and then they became shepherds of God's people by caring for the people of God. Ordinary people caring for God's flock. Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 9, the story continues. Luke says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. The first announcement of the Messiah's birth was given by an angel to these anonymous shepherds. Now, why shepherds? Why not leaders? Why not judges, priests, people with significant influence? By visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God toward all of mankind. Shepherds were extreme outcasts in Israel. Their work not only made them ceremonially unclean, but it kept them away from the temple for long periods of time, which made it difficult for them to be ceremonially clean. Acts, the 10th chapter, verse 34, says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
I like the way the King James Version translates that verse. When Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't call the rich and powerful only. He calls the poor and the lowly too. Look what we read in 1 Corinthians, the the, uh, first chapter, verse 26 through 29. 1 Corinthians, 10th chapter, verses 26 through 29. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world, of the world, to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. And the last people who would have ever boasted would have been the shepherds. They knew where they stood in the culture. They were on the bottom rung. So why were shepherds invited? Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, writes this about the shepherds. He says, David, the author of this poem, Psalm 23, himself a shepherd and the son of a shepherd, later to be known as the shepherd king of Israel, stated explicitly, the Lord is my shepherd. To whom did he refer, Keller asked. He referred to Jehovah, the Lord of Israel. His statement was confirmed by Jesus the Christ. When he was God incarnate among men, Keller writes, He declared emphatically, I am the good shepherd. So think about it. For the angels to announce the birth of the Messiah to a group of shepherds isn't completely ludicrous. The good shepherd had just been born in Bethlehem, so it makes sense that a group of shepherds might get invited to see him. In fact, they were the very first people to visit him. And first century shepherds, they were savvy. They weren't easily fooled. They were practical men of the world who would have had little to do with whimsical illusions. They lived life in reality. So if they said they saw angels and then went and found the Messiah, then you could believe them. God selected hardworking men to be the first witnesses to see the Messiah. Well, Luke continues in verse 10, chapter two, verse 10. This is what he writes. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. At first, this angel appeared and gave this amazing statement. And then in just a moment, we'll see this chorus of angels joining in with him and they give this anthem of praise. They light up the sky. It just, it wasn't just the angel though that terrified the shepherds. And all of that could have been fear inspiring, certainly. 
But it wasn't that that seemed to terrify them. What terrified them was the visible manifestation of the glory of God, the power of God, the majesty, the awesomeness. It was present. If brave, soldier, if, if brave shepherds were terrified at what they saw and heard, you can be sure that what they experienced was powerful. And later as they tell the story, you have to believe that it's probably real. The angel, though, reassuringly says to them, do not be afraid. And then he tells them this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the word that he uses there for good news actually means to preach the good news. What we're seeing here is Luke emphasizing a gospel that is going to be for everyone. This good news isn't just for Jews, though it's for them. It's not just for them. It's for all people, including Gentiles. And then the angel gave the shepherds the announcement. This was the, this was the main thing he came to say. Listen to what he says in verses 11 and 12. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, once he finished that statement, the sky just lit up. And there was a host of angels. Luke continues, he says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angel brought the good news. But what exactly is the good news? What was this good news? Well, there's different facets of it we find here in the text. The first good news, good news number one, is a Savior is here. A Savior has been born. He's here. It wasn't that God had sent a general or a judge or a politician. No, the good news was that God sent a Savior, his very own son, to tackle man's greatest need. It was sin. And Jesus would do just that. He would make a way for man through a relationship with Jesus that a man could, and a woman could have their sins completely washed away, forgiven by an almighty God. Good news number two. This Savior was actually the Messiah. In Greek, he was called Christ. But the Jews in Hebrew... They knew him as Messiah. But either way, this is the one the prophets had predicted would come to set mankind free. And the angel is saying, he has arrived. And for a Jew, this was huge news. This was massively a big deal. And later, Gentiles would come to discover that this moment was a huge deal to them as well. Good news number three. This Messiah, who's the Savior, he's actually also Lord. The shepherds were informed that the baby that had just been born was the Lord. And he is Lord of all. 
Look what, he, look what we read in Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 12 and 13. Romans 12, 10 through 13. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, Paul writes. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Good news number four. The shepherds are invited to meet the Messiah. This often despised bunch of roughnecks were officially invited to meet the king of kings. They had to be pinching themselves. What is this about? Why us? But they would take full advantage and they would go to see the king. Which brings us to good news number five. The Messiah will bring peace. Jesus brought a message of peace to the world that had known so much war. The Jewish word shalom is translated peace. And it means much more than just a ceasefire in the battles of life. It means well-being, prosperity, security, and completeness. And if this year has done one thing, it's exposed to us just how desperate man is for inner peace. I mean, think about it. Alcohol consumption is up 30 to 40% this year. Drug overdoses have risen significantly. And suicides, they are up tragically. God knew what he was doing when he had Jesus bring peace to the world because for all time, man has struggled to find peace. Well, when you look at these shepherds, they're an unimpressive bunch, but certainly we can learn some things from them. I think there are three, at least three lessons that we can learn from the shepherds. Though simple, these are crucially important truths. Well, next, the the angels are gone as suddenly as they came. And then immediately, the shepherds make a plan And they put the plan into motion. We read in verses 15 and 16. Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The first humans to visit Jesus were these shepherds. This distinguished honor went to the lowliest of caste in the culture, an uneducated bunch of ranch hands. These guys smelled. They smelled of sweat, livestock, and the all outdoors. They lacked basic manners and used language that was unfit for children. And it's highly unlikely they would ever have been invited to meet or greet a king. But on this night, they were favored by heaven And they got to meet the king of kings. So lesson number one from the shepherds. Go wherever God invites you. Go wherever God invites you. The angel announces Jesus' birth to the shepherds, which appears to have been a highly motivating event because they immediately respond and went to meet the Messiah. When God calls, we should always respond. You know, sometimes God extends an invitation, but we don't respond. 
It makes me think of the prophet Jonah, who God called to go to Nineveh and plead to the Assyrians to repent of their sins. But instead of accepting God's invitation, he got on a ship headed for Tarshish. Now, you need to know that when God called him, he was in Joppa. And if you're going to go to Nineveh, you don't need to get on a boat to get there. In fact, getting on a boat is the first sign that you're not going to Nineveh. God may use angels to announce his intentions to the shepherds, but it's highly unlikely that he's going to use angels to announce his invitations to us. But his invitations are still critically important. Often God is inviting us to join him, and we will be blessed when we respond. But you know, some Christ followers, years ago, put their faith in Jesus, repented of their sins, they were baptized into him, but after that, they haven't responded to God. They haven't responded to the invitations that he's extended to them ever again. You don't want to miss out on the experience with God. Think about it. The shepherds would have had no idea what they'd missed if they hadn't accepted God's invitation and gone to Bethlehem. Oh, they knew what the angel said. You could go there. You could see the Messiah. But they would have missed that meeting, the meeting of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah. And they would have never known the experience that they missed. You know, it makes me wonder what I might have missed through the years for the times when I didn't accept God's invitation to join him. Lesson number two that we can learn from these shepherds Tell others about your experience with Jesus. Tell others about your experience with Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Luke writes, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Once you answer God's invitation and go to join him, then share with others what you've experienced. When you share, some will roll their eyes. That's okay. Others will hear about Jesus, though, for the very first time. Others will be encouraged by your testimony. It'll actually lift them a little. And for some, they will be inspired to answer God's invitation in their own lives. Verse 18, he says, and all who heard this were amazed. All who heard this were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I'm not sure if all who hear our testimony will be amazed, but I truly believe that there will be some people who will be amazed. Answering God's invitation then telling others about your experience and some will be amazed so much that they will want to know more about Jesus. 
Some will be so inspired that they will accept his invitation to join him in the mission. And maybe it's the mission of making disciples or caring for the poor or giving encouragement or a million other opportunities that he will open the door for. Who knows? Maybe someone will actually end up accepting Jesus because of the testimony that you shared with them. As they left the stable that night, Luke says that they told everyone in their path of the things that had happened to them. Their lives would never be the same. They would know that just as they kept watch over their sheep, someone far greater was keeping watch over them. And they wanted everyone else to know about this. That brings us to lesson number three from the shepherds. Praise God for the experiences you have with Jesus. Verse 20 in Luke chapter 2 says this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When the shepherds headed back to their flocks, Luke says they were worshiping God as they went. They found the newborn king in Bethlehem wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, just as the angel had said. And it's just a guess on my part, but I think it's possible that as they headed back to their flocks, they couldn't help but worship the Lord. They had been visited by angels, and then everything that the angel had told them turned out to be true. And it's just a guess on my part. The text doesn't say this, but I think maybe... Just maybe they couldn't keep themselves from praising God for what they had seen and what they'd experienced. Here's a question I have for you. When was the last time you had an experience like that where you couldn't keep from praising God? If it's been a while, maybe it's time to answer God's invitation to join him, to meet him, to serve with him, I promise you, you answer that invitation. You'll never regret it. Well, let me close with this story. Author Leo Biscaglia told the story about a contest that he was asked to judge. The purpose of this contest was to find the most caring child, And the winner turned out to be a four-year-old boy whose next-door neighbor was an elderly man whose wife had recently passed away. When he saw the man crying, the little boy went up into the old man's yard, climbed into his lap, and then just sat there. Later, his mom would ask him, what did you say to the man? And the little boy explained, he said nothing. I just helped him cry. I just helped him cry. Your presence can make a huge difference. The shepherds gave their presence when they accepted that invitation to meet Jesus, and they were never the same after that. But the world was never the same as a result of their experience. Don't miss God's invitation for you to join him in whatever he's inviting you to. Certainly, the most important of those invitations is an invitation to be 
a part of his family. If you've never taken that step of faith, making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to encourage you to reach out to us. Reach out to us through Notes to Monty or through the app. You can reach us. But send us a message saying you want to talk about making Jesus the Lord of your life. That's an invitation no one should miss out on. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this story. Simple men, we don't know their names. The lowest cast in the culture, and yet the first to visit your son at his birth. Angels announced it to him. Yeah, they were terrified. But it didn't keep them from going and doing what you're calling them into. Lord, I pray that we would be just like those men. That when you invite us, that we have a willingness and a courage to go. Whatever it is you're calling us to. Whether it be taking that first step to making you Lord. Or whether it be traveling around the world, representing you in far off places. Or anything in between. God, I pray that as a result of those experiences of answering the invitation that you've given to us, that we will tell others about our experiences, that we'll share our testimony with those far and wide. And I know, God, not everybody will be interested, but there will be some. And we'll plant seeds, and we'll get a chance to water those seeds. And just maybe we'll see people come to know you because of it. And Lord, I pray that in every one of these opportunities that we will leave those experiences praising you, just like the shepherds did. That inside of us, we can't help it. We're just so filled with joy and gratitude that we have to express it to you through praise. Lord, I pray right now for everyone who's watching, who has yet to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've not quite reached the point yet where they are, willing to say yes to the invitation to join your family and to have their sins forgiven. Please, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will commune with their hearts and their minds and you will stir in them a desire to know more about Jesus. I pray for those, God, who still need to take that step to accept your invitation. I pray, God, that you will continue to move heaven and earth so that they know how much you love them. And use us in the process, God. We praise you and thank you. Praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, what a great time we've had together. And let me just say, hey, before you log off, and we're glad that you tuned in. If you're new with us, we would love the opportunity to connect with you. The simplest way to do so is to go to ncclex.info and fill out a digital connect card there. Or in fact, if you're in the chat, we'll, we'll drop a button or a link right now and you can follow that and connect with us. We'll be in touch real soon. And finally, and let me just say thank you. Thank you, not just for being with us today, but before your generosity. Your generosity is this hallmark of the Christian life. In fact, it's a wonderful descriptor of God himself. And so the more that we're generous, the more we mirror a generous God. And so, you know, regardless of how you choose to give, whether it's like right now online and you, you follow the give link or the button right now, or maybe you 
you write out a check and you mail it with your your Christmas cards later this week. Um, We're just grateful that you're on mission with us as we strive to propel the love of Jesus in this community and beyond. So thank you for your generosity. Um, Look, hey, we'll be in touch about what's to come over the next few weeks as far as gathering in person and just what all that means. But hey, regardless, man, we're so excited for this season, for more opportunities to love 40509 and beyond. Thanks for being here and we'll connect.